0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables.
1: Had a preview pod, but consider this the real deal. Uh, the season premiere of College Sports Now, the women's basketball edition. I'm Rob Joyce, joined once again each week by the real star of the show. She watches every game, so you don't have to. Her hoop stats, Megan Gower. Megan, welcome back. How's life?
2: Thank you. Things are good. It's good. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year. What was your favorite Christmas present?
2: Ooh, good question. I, see, I got like one of those... Polaroid printers where you could print like photos from your phone to Polaroid. So that, because that sounds more excited, they say crock crockpot, which just makes me sound old.
1: <laughs> Don't hate on crockpots, man. Those, those, those things are great.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Each Friday around lunch until the NCAA tournament, we'll be here. We'll record the pod this is Friday morning. We'll have it out by lunch. Then we'll figure out it from there, once the you know, NCAA tournament starts, we'll figure out our days. Today, much like our preview pod, no guests, just straight ball for the next hour or so. We have a lot to get to. We'll recap the first couple months of the season. Upsets galore early on. Things have settled down a little bit the last couple of weeks. But we'll run through all the top teams, all the top conferences. We'll have some fun along the way. Megan, do you have an overarching thought now that we're two months into the season? Kind of a, a big picture point of view as we start to dig into some of these teams.
2: Yeah, I think the two things that stand out to me is, I think there's a clear top two in the country right now, and we'll get into them, but it's South Carolina and UCLA. But I also think the floor kind of has elevated a lot from last year, and there's there's not a lot of separation from 1 to 30.
1: Yeah, so you, we'll start. I guess you mentioned the top two teams. We'll start, we'll start with the SEC because, shock among shocks, the number one team in the country once again is South Carolina Something that they were preseason, what, seven or eight, uh, they lost all the freshies. You wonder, yeah, they still have pieces. Will they be good? Then they go to Ireland or France, wherever the heck they were in Europe, kick the crap out of Notre Dame, and they've been number one ever since. Are you surprised at how, just how, not necessarily that South Carolina is the number one team in the country, but just how dominant they've been given the the makeover that they've had to undergo?
2: Yeah, I expected this team to kind of come in and maybe struggle a little bit at the beginning of the season and then, of course, eventually find their footing. We all know how good of a coach Don Staley is, but it surprised me how they kind of just hit the ground running in that first game against Notre Dame, as you said. So I think that's what's most impressive about this team to me is they've really completely changed their starting lineup, changed much of their personnel, and really changed the style that they're playing pretty much a 180 from last year, and they're still this good off the bat.
1: Yeah. In the preseason, I predicted Camila Cardozo would be a first-team All-American. I think she's played like that. And Tahina Pow-Pow, I thought she'd be good. She is basically – they're different players stylistically, but she's kind of what I always wanted Zai Cook to be in that she's, like, super efficient. She's, she's over 50% from beyond the arc, which is kind of wild that we're halfway through the year. And she's just that go to score. Bree Hall has become a three point threat after she didn't play a whole lot in her first year. You know, last year, they lost one game. Sure, it was a big game, but they were a historically good team. But last year, like, there was a way to beat them. They were just so good that, like, you just couldn't. They were basically, you know, they were like a, a bunch of tank engines, and you were asked to hurt them by throwing stones at them. Like, it's not going to work. If you had a big enough boulder, Caitlin Clark, sure. But other than that, you couldn't. This year, you know, their defense might be like a half step below. That's still probably the best in the country, as opposed to being maybe the greatest defense we've ever seen. But, man, they're so much more dynamic offensively. Like, last year, they weren't making seven threes a game. I don't think they could make seven threes a game. Now, you know, make their A++ defense an A defense and make their A-offense, like, a plus, like I don't know how you stop it.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think their offense has been the big surprise with this team, and also really a pleasant surprise in that you know this team is a lot of fun to watch, right? Like the, the ball's going through the basket a lot, they're playing at a fast pace. It's a really fun team. I don't know that I buy into this hype though, because there's a lot of hype that like they're even better than last year. And I just I don't know that I fully buy into that. The offense certainly is, but the team collectively, I, I don't know that I'm buying
1: into that hype. You stole my question that I was about to ask you. <laughs> I they're certainly more dynamic than last yeah. year. They might, like I said, they might be harder to beat than last year. Because if you if you caught fire, which they never let teams catch fire, but if you happen to catch fire, you know, say you make 12 threes, like there's a scenario in which you could have beaten them last year. This year, like score 70 on them, be one of the rare teams that do it. I th- that means you have to hold them below 72, which I don't know if you can do.
2: Yeah, I'm interested to see. They've got like the LSU game in a few weeks, the UConn game coming up, how those games go. Because I think my reason that I'm questioning, like, is this team really better than last year's? It's like, not no offense to Notre Dame, but who have they played? Like that first game, first game of the season one is always kind of, I think, a wild card. But outside of that Notre Dame game on day one, like their best opponent has certainly been that Utah game. And I thought they struggled a little bit in that game. Alyssa Peely, granted incredible player, like some of this is just how good she is, but was really able to just kind of do whatever she wanted in that game. And I don't think beyond that, we've really seen them against another top caliber opponent. And that's where I'm interested to kind of see. What does it look like when you are playing someone that's a lot closer to the level that you're
1: at? Yeah, let's see. They've won by seven at Carmichael against North Carolina. They pulled away from Duke. Was that game? That game was at Cameron. Um, Yeah, they pulled away in the fourth quarter there. So, yeah, they haven't played. And then Maryland, we'll get to Maryland. I have thoughts on Maryland, but we'll get to that. But, um, yeah, you're right in that regard. Uh, We'll learn a lot. They go to Baton Rouge, January 25th. UConn. We learned that Camila Cardozo may or may not play in that game uh, because she's going with Team Brazil for FIBA something or other. She's playing with Brazil, which is cool, uh, but she might miss the UConn game. The SEC as a whole, like we can talk about LSU in a second. Looking at the SEC as a whole briefly, you know, South Carolina, there's LSU. uh, There's a there's a bunch of teams that are like receiving votes. Good. Otherwise, I don't think this conference is all that.
2: Yeah, I think the SEC is weak this year, just to put it bluntly. So, yeah, the, that's why you got to circle those LSU and the UConn games coming up because I, there's nothing else on their schedule going forward in the SEC. By no fault of their own, it's just a, not, I think, the year that they were hoping to have in the SEC that is jumping off the page to be yeah, like, oh, that's going to challenge them. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at some of these teams like Ole Miss, they were preseason ranked. They're unranked right now. They're 12 and four. Alabama, I think they're a top 25 net team. But they're 15 and three there. You know, they're fine. Mississippi State is fine. Arkansas's fine. Just none of these teams are, are world beaters. Shout out Texas A&M. They were bad last year and two years ago. Joni Taylor in year two has got that thing humming. And then shout out to Shea Ralph. Big win over Kentucky last night. Vandy is 16 and one. They haven't played anybody. But when, you know, you're at the levels that Bandy was, 16-1 uh, and one is certainly an accomplishment. So yeah. shout out to the Commodores. Um, yeah. Anti-shout out. You want to talk Tennessee? Yeah.
2: Right now, that is Megan mess. Gower,
1: <laughs> Racketology, what, every week on her HoopStats.com?
2: Close to it, hopefully going forward.
1: And that'll ramp up, obviously, as we get closer to March. Yeah. If the season ended today, Megan Gower, you do not have the Lady Vols in the field.
2: Yeah, it's just a hard case right now. I mean, they're 67th, I think, in the net the last time I looked, That's that's not typically a tournament team. And just 7-5 and in non-conference play, some bad losses in there. They have really struggled. And, of course, a lot of that came without Rakia Jackson. So I wouldn't be shocked if they do decent in SEC play now that Rakia's back to see them kind of slide back in, even if they are low in the net, because that's obviously a big industry. Big injury to this roster, but I don't know. I just feel like it's a very disappointing season from Tennessee, even with that injury. The talent that they have on that roster, and they just should be better than they are.
1: You were way off. You said they were 67th in the net, they're 66th, way off. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they don't have well, the middle Tennessee state loss, isn't great. But, you know, losses at Florida State by one against Indiana, against Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Like, these aren't bad losses. Boy, they don't. What's their best win?
2: (laughs) Florida? Yeah. I think (laughs) is
1: their best win, their most recent win. And like we said, like, how many marquee chances are they going to get? Like, they they get South Carolina twice. Uh, Not going to win. They get LSU once. Like, they're not going to win. If you do, that changes the story of things but there just aren't opportunities. I will say you were right in one thing. You said Rekia Jackson. You predicted her to be a first-team All-American in the preseason. She won't be because she missed all that time. But boy, I think you were proven right because with her, this team's pretty good. And without her, we saw what they are without her.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see how things shape up for the rest of the SEC season from them. But yeah, my concern right now is they don't have a win over a team that I would consider firmly in the field.
1: <laughs> Let's see what's their so Florida. They're they're a top fifty net win. They're like forty seven. Yeah, so they're a bubble
2: team. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's that, not that, a bad that, win, but it's not a great win either.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, lastly, in the SEC, LSU. They've had. I'll be nice and say an interesting season. <laughs> Um, for the defending national champs. They're starting to find it. They're 16 and one. They lost the opener to Colorado. I don't put a whole lot of stock into it because again, season opener, so many new pieces, Colorado, all returning pieces. You get blitzed. It happens. It won't matter. Come March. A lot's happened since then. What are your thoughts on LSU? Yeah.
2: I'm I'm interested to see how they do in the sec. I'm not sold on it being totally together yet, but like they still have time until March. The talent's there, Kim Mulkey's there. You, you got to figure they're gonna figure it out. I feel like this is the team that's probably gonna end just on their straight the schedule and where the SEC is at this year, like a, a two three seed, unless they like beat South Carolina a couple times. That's not the two three seed I would want to see in my bracket if I was on the one line, but um, yeah, they're they're getting there. I thought the Colorado game, like you said, agreed. Don't take that much stock in it. Season opener. I would have liked to see probably a little bit closer of a margin because that one wasn't particularly close. But then they go on, they beat Virginia Tech a few a few weeks after that. Um, Granted, I thought Virginia Tech looked a little rough to start the season as well. But they just haven't really played anyone since, so it's kind of hard to make like how far they've come because we need to see them against you know someone that's in that kind of top 25 contention group
1: some stories never change right <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, yeah I, i'm not worried the drama of november even taking out the colorado loss like i don't know what happened with angel reese i don't really care what happened with angel reese because you know it's not like there's some scandal where they're hiding that you know she didn't get arrested or anything like that like whether it was personal or basketball related or academic like whatever mm-hmm. it's in the past end of the day She's still really, really good, and I feel like we don't talk about her stats. Like last night, she put up 20, 18, and had seven assists in a blowout over Texas A&M. Anissa Morrow, as good as advertised. Haley Lick, probably not as good as we thought she'd fit in. I mean, she hasn't been terrible in, you know, NCA tournament, big games. I trust her to hit the big shots. And then how about Michaela Williams? She's right there. You know, this is a star-studded freshman class. She's right up there with Juju and, and Hannah Hidalgo.
2: Yeah, she's been really good for them. And when Angel Reese was out, I thought, really stepped up for this team and was able to kind of to do a lot for them, which is really impressive, especially in November as a freshman. But, yeah, I think we're going to talk probably about a lot of freshmen throughout the course of this podcast. It is quite the class.
1: Yes. End of the day, I- I'm with you. If I look at my bracket in March, if I'm a team, I don't want to see South Carolina. I don't want to see UCLA. And I probably don't want to see LSU. Anyone else? You know, I'd I'd figure it out. Um, Those three, I think, are the the scariest come March. Where do you want to go next? Uh, You will Actually, I'll make that decision. Pac-12. Because we brought up UCLA. We knew the Bruins would be good. Did you think they'd be clear-cut number two in the country good?
2: I did, but I feel like I watch a ton of UCLA, so maybe it was a little bit, yeah, alone in that little <laughs> pocket of the country that was like, yes, they will be this good. No, I thought this team, as soon as they signed Lord Betts and the pieces to be national championship contender, everything that we're seeing them be right now, I think that has been their biggest haul. We saw how good their freshman class was last year. They were going to have another year. I, I thought the team had everything. To get there, and I think they've very clearly been there so far this season.
1: Even without Emily besoir she got her what game two. Um, and they haven't missed a beat. The some of the metrics I'm surprised, they aren't as high on the Bruins. Like they're, their their hoop her, her hoop stats ranking is I think the ninth best team in the composite rankings. Um I tend to lean more towards their AP poll ranking. I mean Charisma Osborne, you have that proven player who you trust in crunch time. Kiki Rice, London Jones. They're phenomenal. I mean, all three of those players, if you have three guards that shoot beyond 40%, couple shoot more than 40% from three, they all make like 90% of their free throws. And then you throw in down low someone who's playing like the former number one recruit in the country. Because I'll never know what happened with Lauren Betts at Stanford. We probably never will. I don't get it. She's spectacular. Yeah.
2: I thought that was the biggest question mark about this team was like, is Lauren Betts going to live up to the hype or like, cause I, we never will know why she never played at Stanford. Yeah. But um, I think she's very much kind of fit exactly what UCLA needed so far this season.
1: Yeah. I think some of the defensive metrics are why like they're skewed a little bit, why the ranking or the metrics think they're a little worse, like giving up 78 points to Florida state. Like it's not a bad defensive performance mm-hmm. with the Seminoles. They gave up, I think 71 to Ohio state. Like they gave up a bunch of points in garbage time the final margin was like 6 or 7 wasn't that close. Um, so right. UCLA will make their first final four this year. barring something catastrophic, I think. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, I agree.
1: Pac 12 as a whole though, outside of, you know, typically in the past it's been Stanford and Oregon or just Stanford, last year UCLA joined in the mix but now like this is best conference in the country, right? Like I'm not over hyping things. Like they're ranked what? Yeah. 2589. In the polls?
2: Yep, I believe so, yeah. Four top 10 teams. There's just, yeah, top to bottom, really. I mean, there's a couple teams at the bottom, but even the middle of the conference, I think we've seen Cal pull off some upsets. Arizona put some upsets in the past uh, week or two, so a really, really solid conference this season.
1: Stanford, I'll admit I was wrong on Stanford. I thought they'd be hanging around that you know, 15, 20 range, kind of where Utah is now. Um I didn't think Cameron Clark would have enough, or Cameron Brink would have enough help. But she, if Caitlin Clark didn't exist, she'd run away with National Player of the Year. She's found a whole other level that has just lifted the Cardinal back into the national conversation.
2: Yeah, I think it's that and Cameron Brink being what Cameron Brink is, but also Kiki yeah. uh at Stanford has just been phenomenal. A player. Yeah, Where did she come I- from? Yeah, didn't contribute much at all last year, but her and Break in the post, like, it's a really bad matchup for ninety nine percent of teams in the country. Like, I I'm really interested to see how they run through Pac twelve play because I think we've seen them be really great to start this year, and the two of them are behind that. There's just not a lot you could do when both of them are are really on in the lane.
1: Their defense. I don't want to say confuses me, but they've just they've had some odd, they might be one-offs. Like they gave up 79 to a kind of meh duke team. It game went to overtime. They randomly, like they Gonzaga nearly put up a hundred on them at their place. So we'll learn, I think we'll learn a lot this weekend. They head to Utah and Colorado. Um long as they don't go 0-2. Even if even if they go 0-2 in the right circumstance, I'm not overly concerned. I just I want to see the defense against a team like Utah. Um Can they be what we traditionally think of a Stanford defense? Utah, what are your thoughts on the Utes? Because they're ranked 19th. Metrics have them a lot higher than that. Elisa Pilley's really, really good. The defense is a little bit improved, but they've, you know, they're they're still sitting there at 11 and four, which is probably a little worse than people projected.
2: Yeah, I think what I'm going to mispronounce her last name. So I'm just going to say Gianna went down. That was a big loss for them. That was kind of their second score. Um, on this team and i think without them they just without her they just don't have like they need someone to, in addition to pilly to really step up and i don't think we've seen that kind of have happened yet i thought like in that south carolina game we were talking about earlier right utah's able to hang around but against a team that good you just one player can't do it all and that's kind of what was happening so i think that's why we're seeing them out on 11 four they've certainly still been very good and honestly better than i expected they would be with that injury and, a lot of that is heads off to Alyssa Peely and how good she's been. Um, still a really good team. I don't think they're going to necessarily like contend for a Pac-12 title in my opinion, but still a still really solid team.
1: Injuries, which there's no real good time to talk about it. Might as well, you mentioned Neepkin's injury, and that's I think she broke bones as opposed to a ligament. Boy, injuries. That's That might be the story of the season. The first couple of weeks, we had a lot of upsets, but Every week, there's someone else going down.
2: Yeah, it is incredibly unfortunate. Never the news you want to see on uh, your ESPN notifications.
1: Yeah, uh, one team who has been able to stay healthy, Colorado. They're ranked fifth. They're doing things at the program, which I don't think has ever been to heights like this. Um, I'm not number five in the country in love with them. Um, her hoop stats <laughs> actually has them at 17. That feels low. I'll say they're somewhere in the middle. They're probably probably a top 10-ish team. Um, I like them. I'm not sure I love them, but they are different than last year where they, you know, last year they had a very good defense, had trouble scoring. They've been able to figure out the scoring part, maybe at the cost of the defense a little bit.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think another team that I know I've said like basically the same thing, but it's just kind of like, I'm interested to see how conference play goes because it has outside of that first game and their 18 point loss to NC state they haven't really played anyone, so it's just, it's hard to tell. I mean, they did beat Utah last week. That's that's a good win. They beat Arizona. That's a good win. I think the grind of the Pac-12 is going to probably, like you said, level out where this team actually falls nationally a little bit. I agree. It's probably still top 10, definitely probably top 15. I'm not sold on top five, but I still think they're good. And they've got a lot of veterans, which means come March, like, they're a team no one wants to see.
1: Right. Made the Sweet 16 last year as a six-seed. The schedule makers did them very few favors. Um, they play Cal tonight. Then they go Stanford, UCLA, USC at home. And then yeah. late February, they head to Utah, head to USC, and head to UCLA in three straight games. So they have two stretches of three games that... Phew, welcome to life in the Pac-12 this year. Good God. Um, so, yeah, I'm not yeah. as high in the buffs as the rankings indicate, but they'll still... You know, they should host. Um, because last year they had to go all the way to Durham and won that regional, that sub regional, mm-hmm. and then they, they got Iowa, right? In the Sweet 16,
2: yeah. Think, so. yeah, they lost yeah.
1: Iowa. Um, last team I wanted to bring up in the Pac 12, the Juju show. Boy, she's, yeah, legit.
2: she's so good! So she's good. And, yeah, there was a lot of hype. She has probably exceeded the level of hype that was coming around her coming to the college game. She's just been. Phenomenal and big part why we're seeing USC in the top 10 too. another team that I don't know that I'm fully sold on where they are in the rankings, but she is for sure the real deal.
1: Yeah, they have played two, we'll say real games, Uh, the season opener against Ohio state. We'll get to Ohio state in a bit because boy, they've disappointed me. And then seven point loss at Pauly on wasn't quite new year's Eve on December 30th. They play UCLA on Sunday. They play at Utah. They play at Colorado. Again, that's a a three-game-in-a-row stretch, that. God bless you. Um, (laughs) I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you on on the Pac-12 as a whole. They have some proven commodities. UCLA has proved itself. And then I think things will come back down to earth a little bit for your Colorados, your USC's, maybe even your Stanford's. Welcome to life in in conference play, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you eat each other.
3: The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word,
1: Broomgate. Where do you want to go to next? Which conference?
2: Hmm, maybe the Big Ten. We haven't talked about Iowa yet, and I'm sure everyone's waiting for that. Oh, yeah.
1: Do they have someone worth talking about? Okay. Conference as a whole, big picture. Kind of disappointed by the Big Ten. A bunch of decent teams for the most part. I thought they'd be a little more top-heavy. However, I have converted. I believe. Caitlin Clark is at the peak of her superhuman powers. She's the National Player of the Year. She's going to win it. Sorry, Cameron Brink, you've been great. It's going to go to Clark. I was prepared to come in here and say, oh, I don't think they're the third best team in the country. But I'm digging deeper. And sure, an off night for Caitlin is is a dangerous thing for Iowa. But right now, I can't name – I can name two teams definitively better than Iowa, South Carolina and UCLA. Other than that, I got nothing.
2: Yeah, I think they've surprised me. I thought that the loss of Sonato was going to be harder for them to absorb than it has been, and I think – I mean, a lot of that is just how – insane caitlin clark has been, and the the numbers that she's putting up but i do think kanna has been very good in her sophomore year as well so that's it's helping that hole too but I, I mean it's hard to count them out at any game the way clark is playing right now i think conference play will always be interesting right i think it, it kind of tells you a lot more about teams than non-conference play in a lot of regards but yeah i mean i would say they're probably gonna win the big 10 at least this year like I can't really see anyone challenging them for
1: that at the moment. They head to Indiana. Excuse me. Indiana comes to them tomorrow. You're right. Hannah Stolke. She only plays like 20 minutes a game, um, but she's super efficient. 14 and seven. Kate Martin has taken the type of jump this year that she probably needed to. She went from seven points last year to 12 this year. So it's not spectacular. It's just, it's more consistent secondary scoring. Sharon Goodman. She played three minutes a game last year. Sparingly. She's averaging like six and six. Like that's all you need. When you have a Caitlin Clark, it's enough to repeat. Do you think this is a social media topic mm-hmm. for Caitlin Clark haters? Like, do you think she shoots too much?
2: I mean, on this team now, like, I think there's a the place for it, right? Like, if she was on a different team that had a bunch of other players that were closer to her caliber, yeah, she would shoot too much. But, like, on this team now, they want the ball in her hands as much as possible. That's their best option. I, like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see it. Yeah, her numbers aren't super efficient, but it's working for this team. They're the top three team in the country. Like, uh, yeah, i, I shooting I mean, it too much.
1: <laughs> she'll have her share of you know, 13 for 30 type games, but yeah, she's actually she's more efficient than you'd think. Her effective field goal percentage is in the 94th percentile. If you don't know what effective field goal percentage, basically. Takes into account three-pointers are worth more than two-pointers, if you didn't know that. So taking that into account, you know, she's in the top 6% in the entire country, and she's doing it shooting 30 times a game. She can shoot as much as she wants. It's fine. It's going to work. It's It worked well. It came to within 40 minutes of a national title. The rest of the Big Ten, Indiana's okay. I've been largely disappointed by the rest of the Big Ten.
2: Yeah. I feel like, if you had a, I'm, yeah, I'm not sold on them either way right now. I feel like sometimes I'm like, oh, we'll they learn look tomorrow a lot night, better. Right? Yeah, we'll learn tomorrow night for sure. But yeah, the rest of the Big Ten, Ohio State in particular, uh, I expected so much more from this team.
1: <laughs> you and I put them in the Final Four in the preseason. <laughs> and like, there's no real shame in the losses they have. You know, They got jujued in the season opener. They lost by six to UCLA. Michigan's okay. It's a rivalry game. They lost at their place by nine. Like they're they're okay, but they just haven't looked the part. Like JC J- yeah. Sheldon's been pretty good, but Cody McMahon, we thought she could be like an all-American, and she's been okay. Mm-hmm. She's been fine. She just hasn't been the that game changer that it looked like she might be after a breakout NCAA tournament. So they, of everyone in the country, I've been most disappointed in them.
2: Yeah, I think we're seeing, like, when they struggled last season and the struggles that they were having with, like, there's just no defense in the lane and things like that. Those issues are very much back at the forefront for this team.
1: Yeah, this isn't quite the buzzsaw D that I thought they would be. Um, It's not over. I mean, they have three games left versus ranked teams, two against Iowa. They have some trap games. Big Ten has some, like, sneaky, decent teams, like Michigan State's pretty good. Penn State has turned it around. Nebraska's decent. Minnesota. In year one under Don, oh, I'm not going to say our last name um, off the top <laughs> of my head, but they're you know they're all pretty good. The Big Ten, it's kind of they're they're less flashy ACC in that they have a bunch of NCAA tournament teams that'll live in the you know six seven eight nine seed range.
2: Yep, exactly.
1: Um, Indiana, to go back to them. You think the Grace Burger effect? Like is it as simple as that? Like Mackenzie Holmes is just as good numbers wise as she was last year. They have some shooters. Um, Sarah Scalia has become that main threat. Yardin Garzone, Sydney Parish can light it up, but like is is it what what's the if, if there's a problem with Indiana, what is it?
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe it is the Grace Burger effect. Maybe this team was never as good as we thought it was last year, that's why they lost to the second round of the NCAA tournament. I don't know, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's not doing it for me so far. They're not totally out of the picture, but I don't know. It just hasn't looked like it should.
1: I'm kind of on the other side. I think that they're still kind of sneaky good. I mean, there, there are five teams in her hoop stats, top 10 in offensive and yeah. defensive ratings, South Carolina, Stanford, Texas, UConn, Indiana. So I think they're still good. Um, they have chances to prove it and they won't be a one seed like last year. Maybe they weren't right. Maybe you're right. Maybe they weren't ever as quite as good as last year made it out to be. Maybe they're a really good two or three seed. Um, mm-hmm. So i I think that might fit them better. Now, Big Ten team we haven't mentioned yet, Maryland. I have an extremely hot take, but I'll save it. Give me your thoughts on the Terp season to point to, to date.
2: It has not been great. the The start of their season, they scheduled a really hard schedule, so. Props to Maryland for doing that, regardless of the talent that's on the roster. But, I mean, South Carolina, UConn, there's a handful of losses in there. They just, they really, really struggled to start. I feel like it's not as bad now. They're, like, hanging around with the middle tier, Big Ten teams. They don't look awful, but it just, I think they lost too much talent to replace.
1: My super hot take. I don't think it'll come true, but, hey, let's go for clicks, baby. There's a path where Maryland misses the tournament. Yeah, and I don't think it's too unrealistic. Like they're they're ten and five. Kudos to them for the schedule. They were not competitive against South Carolina, UConn. That twenty point loss to Washington State hasn't aged great. The win over Syracuse will age nicely. So they have ten wins. I think seventeen probably gets them in. So if they lose all their remaining ranked games, so say they don't beat Ohio State, Indiana, Iowa. Ohio State, Indiana say they lose all those games so you got to get seven wins against Purdue, you get Illinois twice, you get Penn State twice, you get Rutgers twice Michigan and Wisconsin like they can go seven and two in that, but if you go five and four, like there's a scenario there's a scenario in which Maryland goes to Iowa on February 3rd. They're four and seven in the big ten. they're sitting there at 14 and 12 mm-hmm. and then it's pressure time like I I, I thought they'd be, I trusted Brenda freeze and Cheyenne Sellers to just go, oh, yeah, they'll figure it out. I, I don't think they're going to figure it out.
2: Yeah. No, and I don't think that's totally off base to say they could mess the tournament. I have them on the nine line right now. Like, that's that's pretty darn close to the bubble. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. They, they need to pick up the wins that they can in Big Ten play, or they're very much going to be in that position where they need to beat at Iowa or need to beat Ohio State to get in.
1: Um, one team, I don't know a whole lot about them. Um, they lost at the buzzer to Iowa. Michigan State, sneaky good. They're not ranked. Yeah. They're a team that the metrics really like the Spartans. They're someone, I mean, you probably know more about them, but where would they be seated today? And what's what do you think their ceiling could be?
2: Yeah, I think they're a team I'm very interested to see how they're going to play in, in the Big Ten. They're on the nine line right now. I would say they're probably trending upward. They've got to pick up some of those big wins, though. I think that's the big thing. They don't have the big win yet, and they were so close in the Iowa game. And I guess if you're Don Staley, you thought that they got a very egregious er- 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 foul call that maybe they should have won that game. But they they just got to find a way to end in the win column in some of these big games right now. This team's best win is Penn State, Maryland. So um, they've got to they got to beat an Ohio State, beat a. Indiana beat someone like that to, to really get themselves in the conversation. The metrics love them, but they also haven't really played anyone, which can help you in the metrics when you're beating a bunch of nobodies by 50 points.
1: That's fair. Uh, yeah, they play Ohio State on Sunday. Uh, they play the Buckeyes again, and then they travel to Indiana. So they only have three games against ranked teams going forward, and I don't think they'll pick up any more. Is Illinois receiving votes? Regardless, even if they are like that's so, yeah. Yeah. that's so yeah. The Big Ten, a little down in the middle. Um, let's move to the ACC. Pac-12 is the top heaviest conference, top to bottom. ACC is one of the deeper conferences. How many teams do you have right now? If in the field, nine, eight, eight, eight. Okay, where? we'll, we'll start at the top. Where did everyone, you and I included? where did everyone whiff with NC state? Like we didn't even I talk about them in our preseason pod.
2: Yeah. and I mean, I think maybe it was just, they had such a down year, a down year by NC state standards, which is still a pretty good year, most places in the country. But um, last year that they just kind of fell off the radar, but yeah, they have been phenomenal compared to any of their preseason expectations.
1: Six players in double figures with them. They don't have a 20-point score, but Sinai Rivers has proven she can if you need her to. River Baldwin, she's only out a couple of weeks. That injury could have been a lot more devastating even if they stumble once or twice while she's out. I think they're fine in the long run. Is this like last year's Virginia Tech team where kind of thin, but they have someone who can score and then kind of look, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of, sexy national hype in the preseason Then here they are in March as a one seed making a run to a final four.
2: It could be. I don't know that I'm sold on the path for them. I feel like they might be another team that comes back down to earth a little bit in conference play. I think they kind of shot up from unranked to like top five team because they beat UConn and yeah, that was a good win. But like also how did UConn look in that game? Um, I was there. They looked bad. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Without saying it, they did not look good. So like, it's a great win on the resume, but like, does it make you a top five team in the country? Not entirely sure. Um, they lost that Virginia Tech game this past week. I don't think that's anything to be concerned about. But I, I think they're good. They're probably a top ten team. I don't know that I'm a. They're going to be a one seed path. I think that the ACC is kind of going to beat up on each other a lot. You're going to see, you're maybe NC State, Virginia Tech are host teams and then everyone else is kind of going to be in that that middle tier of teams, not hosting, but they're definitely going to be tournament teams.
1: They open February with North Carolina, Louisville, Virginia Tech, Pitt and Notre Dame. So four tough games in a stretch of five. If they get Baldwin back for that, I think they'll be fine. If she's not back, which I think she should be, but set back, whatever. If she's not back or not herself, trouble is the wrong word, but they could, I could see him going, you know, two and three. And suddenly that takes you from, you're right, like one, two line to maybe a three or a four. Uh, but they should be in line to host. Virginia Tech, team that got off to a slow start, as you referenced earlier. Big buzzer beating win over NC State. Probably their biggest win of the year. Um, I don't have their schedule in front of me, but almost certainly their biggest win of the year. Elizabeth Kitley and Georgia Amore, like we know what they can bring. The question I have with the Hokies is, what do they get from everyone else on a given night?
2: Yeah, and I think that's the part that hasn't necessarily been consistent, and it is why they maybe been struggling a little bit, and we're certainly struggling to start the season. I think if you watch like that Iowa game from like the first week, they just did not look good. Like it was, they looked bad, if we're being honest. And like I think they had a few games like that, and now it just certainly feels like they're figuring it out. But two players can carry you really far, but I feel like you need a third consistent option. I don't know that that's something they have at this moment. If you're talking about, like, how deep can this team go in March? Like, they're still going to be really good. They're still going to host. They're still going to probably do very well in the ACC. But how deep they're going to go in March is going to depend on someone stepping up as that third option.
1: Yeah, it seems weird. But I think, like, one or two players, they can get you through a 31-game season. And then... I'm not sure unless your name is Caitlin Clark. Like, I don't know if two players can get you through six games in yeah. March and April. Um, and that's where I kind of go with with Virginia Tech. Like Kayla King, I wanted her to take a Kate Martin type jump or she doesn't need to be spectacular, but her numbers last year are identical. You trade a rebound for an assist. They're mirror images last year. I'd feel a lot better about them, even if that eight points became 12 or 13 And I don't know who else I'd even turn to as a reliable third option right now. They have that freshman King off the bench. Like she's shown some flashes, but I just need to see more of it.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: Notre Dame. Third best team in the ACC. There's a lot of teams that you could make a case like three through like eight. Um, We still haven't seen Olivia miles. Sony Citron's still out since mid November. Did I she? Kinda, I thought
2: she played in she? that North Carolina game, but I don't know if she played in the one after it. For some okay, reason, well, she's not fully. Yeah.
1: She's not back. Back.
2: Back. Yeah.
1: Agreed. Moral of the story. I mean, we we thought Libby Miles might play in the season opener, um, and that's just like that's week by week they're just slow playing it. I I have to consider the jury out on them until I see them. If we see them ever fully healthy, however, I don't need to see any more on Hannah Hidalgo.
2: Yeah. yeah, Hannah Hodalko is the stunned. real deal. Yeah, she is the real deal. She's been incredible. Again, part of that freshman class that just is so talented and I think is more impressive the way they've all kind of just stepped on the scene from November and really made big impacts on their teams. That's I think really stands out. But Notre Dame as a whole, yeah, I like Olivia Miles could come back. So like if she comes back, obviously the story changes completely, but if we just for now kind of assume we're not going to see her because, I am not I feel like we haven't heard anything about it. That makes me think we are. I feel like this is, in my opinion, kind of like one of the most overrated teams in the country. Like, they haven't lost a lot of games, so they're they're hanging out in that, you know, top 15 area, but they haven't beat a top fifty net team. Like, they just, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sold on them at all.
1: Are you saying... Five twelve upset like Notre Dame, like prime 11-6 yeah. 13-4, prime uh, yeah. we don't see a whole <laughs> lot of 13-4s but
2: alright Yeah, we'll, I don't uh, think they're going to end the season on a four I think conference play is probably going to humble them a little bit, they've got that UConn game coming um, but yeah I, I think like if I get my bracket and Olivia Miles is not back and maybe, I mean, maybe Sonia Santron gets back to a level where they look better, but until then, yeah, that's the the 12 up for six eleven upset. I'm picking in my bracket. We're,
1: uh, we're gonna take note of that. I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm not actually doing it, so I'm gonna forget. But it's up in the old noodle. Um, here's a question: Do you know how many steals a game Hannah Hidago averages? Four, five and a half. Wow. Do you know how many teams in the country don't average that many steals? It's more many. than one.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: It is, where'd I write it down? 24 teams. Virginia um, Tech, by the way, is dead last. Hokies don't have yeah. any turnovers. I
2: remember seeing that like a month ago and being like, that seems wild for a team that has, like, should have at least forced them in, like, some of these games where, like, you're playing... The so team you're playing Radford. Low or, low. Or, right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Um, rest of the ACC, I don't know. I think... Louisville's okay, like North Carolina, Louisville, and Duke, uh, they're the same team, they just wear different jerseys, Florida State (laughs) and Syracuse, kind of the same, like they're pretty much the same team, they're fun to watch, they're electrifying offensively, they don't stop anyone, Um, so those like five teams, if you told me they finished anywhere from third or fourth to like 10th, sure, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. shout out to the Orange, though, that was, that program was a mess, That Felicia Leggett Jack inherited. Shout out to Felicia Leggett Jack. Her first, do you know where her first head coaching job was? Did not the best school on Long Island's Hofstra (laughs) University. Shout out to the Pride, class 2014. Um, They're they're bad at basketball now. It's sad, Um, but Florida State and Syracuse. If you're making like a top ten fun teams to watch, like Iowa, Kansas State, Florida State's probably right there too because. Um, tonight, Latson, yes, she, they're fun. I don't think they're that good, but they're really fun.
2: Yeah.
1: What haven't we talked yet? Talk to it's ACC. Big 12. Big
2: 12
1: and uh, Big yeah. East. <sighs> we'll save the Big East. I have a UConn rant. That, okay. That's coming. Big 12 overall, I think as a conference, the nicest surprise. Like we thought we didn't, they, uh, you and I thought they didn't really have any final four contenders. They might have two. No bigger injury in women's hoops this year than Rory Harmon.
2: Yeah, that's just a huge blow for Texas. A very disappointing news to see. I think a team that, if that injury didn't happen, we were talking about them as a Final Four contender, as a national championship contender. It's really hard to see that without Rory Harmon. She's just so much of what Texas does.
1: Madison Booker's been really good since Harmon went down. She's putting up similar numbers, but she just she, a lot of turnovers. She's a freshman. Like that's just it's impossible shoes to fill when you're asking to replace someone who was in that conversation for early national player of the year. She just makes everything go. I've been impressed by the response. You know, the outside of Harmon, they're getting a little healthier. Taylor Jones missed a couple of games. She's back. Aaliyah Moore, I think, is starting to find her groove because after coming back from that ACL tear, there's that overarching like like gray cloud that. Like, Texas is doing great things. Just, I don't trust them in March, and you feel like wherever they lose in March, it's like, what what could have been?
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: Um, it, in our preseason pod, I said Baylor I thought would be the best team in the Big 12. I mean, even I didn't think they'd be ranked number four, and I, I was ready to give them all their flowers. And then, woof, Wednesday yeah. happened.
2: They, they were the looking fog. apart, yeah, and then oh boy, on
1: Wednesday, <laughs> that was 21. a bad loss,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, shout
1: out to uh, tonight, uh, Tyana Jackson, twenty-seven and nineteen against Baylor. I mean, it's not it's not your Kim Mulkey Baylor of old, where they get a billion rebounds a game, you know, Brittany Griner and all those great teams. But still, they got hammered on the glass by a team that, like Kansas, what seven and seven? They're not making the tournament. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Um, one game aside, I still like Baylor overall. They have kind of, if you're not going to recruit at, you know, a Don Staley, a Kim Mulkey type level, like that's how you build it. They have a senior player who's been there for four years, Sarah Andrews. You have a couple of sophomores who have made that freshman jump, Bella Fonteroy, Dariana Littlepage Bugs, and then you complement all that with transfers. A couple from the SEC, you know, Dre Edwards, Jada Walker, Asia Blackwell. And then you have one from the mid majors who was a big time scorer and has become a complimentary piece. Like that's, that's how you build a team. Mm-hmm. It's just right now. I just need to get the taste of Wednesday. It's too recent. I need to get it out of my mouth.
2: Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. One game doesn't make a season and like there's, you know, 14 games that they won before that, that also are part of it. But yeah, it was just a rough loss. And I think it's, it stands out a little bit more because like there's not exactly a bunch of marquee wins on their, their resume either to be like, okay, this is like totally not indicative of who they are. But I think again, it's another one of these teams that like, they're probably not a top five team, but they're still really good and confidence fight. Well, we'll take them back down to earth a little bit, but like they're still a dangerous team in March. They're still probably a top 10 team. They're just maybe not top five good.
1: I never hadn't really thought about it until you said it at the start of the show, and as we're talking here now, there's obviously there's a clear one two. And when you said, you know, one through thirty is deeper. I never really thought about it like that. But you're right. I mean, you get past the top two. Sure, if you want to throw in Iowa or LSU, that's fine. But like Baylor and Louisville and pick like just pick middle of the pack top even like top tier teams in most of these conferences, and you're right. Like, even if you're not ranked, there's not a whole lot separating it, which is one of the ways, like, that's not something you could say five years ago, six years ago. Um, One other team, a surprise in the Big 12, K-State. I knew they'd be fun to watch. Drastic overhaul. Last year, they just scored a bunch and didn't defend everyone. This year, their top five scoring defense, which, again, I think that'll come down to earth as they play better teams. But still, it's not what I expected at at a Manhattan
2: yeah and i mean i think having a ukulele back is a part of that right yes. but just having that presence in the paint is going to make a big difference defensively regardless of how much she does or doesn't do uh, it's just a lot of size that they did not have last year but yeah a team that's been very fun to watch and like we said i think the big 12 as a whole has been a pleasant surprise right like there's there's more of a top group there than we expected i mean you're talking about this is going to come down to earth and it's not going to stay that way but like Three teams that we're hosting in the like I think my latest bracket you've got Kansas State up there, Texas up there, Baylor up there.
0: In reality,
2: I think it's probably gonna look something like Baylor stays there. I can't I I just don't know that Texas will without Rory Harmon and then Kansas State maybe, but I think they're probably more like gonna end in that like five seed range. But still, a a stronger Big Twelve I think than we've seen in a while.
1: Texas is what. Sixteen and one, but how many games realistically could they lose? They play Kansas State tomorrow on the road. They play K State twice and Baylor once. Assu- unless they get tripped up a couple of times, like how many losses would they realistically need to not host? Like I, I think they've built up enough credence where they're not going to fall out of the top sixteen.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I'm interested to see how Big total play goes. I think the thing with seating is like availability of talent is. Part of it. So if they lose a handful of games without Rory, I think that starts to become part of the conversation is like sure. those, some of those big wins that they have don't necessarily carry the weight when she's no longer part of the roster.
1: Sure. Um, did want to mention we don't have to talk about it. TCU, though, they were, they're dreadfully bad last year. One in yeah. 17 in the league. They were eight and 23. They started 14 and 0 again. They kind of like Vandy. They didn't play anybody, but when you're eight and 23, you pick up wins where you can really sucks that Sedona Prince broke her finger. Is this still a tournament? Is this a tournament team?
2: Maybe we'll see Maybe. how they do in the Big 12. Yeah, okay. I, I'm not sold on them. I think they're much better than they were last year. I'm not sold on this like they're a top 25 team. Oops. Sure.
1: No. <laughs> All right. We've talked about five conferences. Uh we can given what UConn did to Marquette and Creighton we I guess we can call it the UConn discussion. Uh, Marquette and Creighton, like they're still fine. They're, they're tournament yeah. teams. What the like seven, eight, nine C types.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're gonna hang around. They're they're gonna be like your Louisville's, your Dukes, like yeah, that group. Sure. Give me
1: your thoughts on the Huskies. I have a I have a lot of thoughts on the Huskies. So give give me your I have thoughts. A lot
2: about of it. thoughts too. I think this Aubrey Griffin injury in the last week is yet another blow to where they were headed. I think they struggled to start the season. I think there's no question about that, but I think the coaching staff has done an incredible job turning this team around in a month. Like, I think if you look at where they were at Texas and where they were in that Marquette game, like it's just worlds different. They've played the toughest schedule in the country. I'm not saying they're like a top five team, but I think they're, Page backers and yeah Edwards is going to win you a lot of games and they are certainly much better. I think than a lot of people think they are right now. Like they are not the 13th best team in the country either. In my opinion. Oh, I
1: checked UConn Twitter at 1 PM on Monday. I'm well aware <laughs> of what people think about, about UConn falling a spot. My thoughts have changed a lot since November. Yeah. First off, it's almost like Gino Oriama knows how to coach because yeah, transformation, like they've made as much of a transformation as anyone nationally. And now they're playing their best basketball of the season in spite of everything. End of the day, they're not as bad as I'm probably going to portray them in the next two minutes, at least compared to, you know, Yukon's impossible standards. They're also not as good as I think UConn fans think they are. Um, and to some extent, you know, I think end of the day, this is a second weekend team because they have an All-American. They have a very good post player who I don't think is quite an All-American, but at her peak, she's at that level. And the freshmen are coming along nicely. I really like Ashland Shade. Didn't expect that. KK Arnold has progressed nicely. Just asking freshmen to do it for 25 games in a row and then do it in March. Like it's just, you're asking a lot. Yeah. Would I be totally stunned if UConn got to Cleveland? No. Like, Of course not. Yeah. There's a path. Right now, though, I think it's more likely that somewhere along the way someone comes out and does what Ohio State did last year, what UCLA did this year, what Texas did this year, what NC State did. At some point in the game, just come out first quarter, third quarter, punch you kind of the mouth, and they can't recover. Jump out to an 11-point lead. I'm not talking about a team like Marquette. I'm talking about South Carolina, LSU, Stanford, Iowa-level good. And the part where it's controversial. They have five season ending injuries, four and uh, no indication that Caroline Duchamp's coming back.
2: Yeah.
1: Even if most of those injuries don't happen, the problems I have with this team aren't solved. So I'll, I'll, I'll explain. So the biggest problems I have with UConn, again, looking at this through a national championship lens, defense, the worst in my lifetime. No UConn team's ever given up more than 60 a game. This team does. It's gotten better, but they have a nasty habit of playing like 30 minutes of defense a game. So like Butler can score what, 23 first quarter points? Like it's fine because you're better than Butler. 15 points in five minutes against Georgetown is fine because eventually you're just better than Georgetown. But if you do that for five minutes against South Carolina, you're not coming back. Uh, And you know who doesn't fix your defense? A.Z. Fudd and Caroline Ducharme. That's where the Aubrey Griffin injury is the killer. Like, am I wrong there? And that those two, like, that's that's a problem. And, yes, it's like, it's, it sucks. I feel bad for both of them, especially Ducharme. And, like, head injuries are scary. It's like, it's so unknown. And then A.Z. Fudd hasn't been healthy in, it seems like, five years. It sucks. I just don't think that their reintroduction into the lineup, even healthy, solves the, the defensive problem.
2: Yeah, I, that's fair. Aubrey Griffin was just such a big part of what this team was doing right now, and yeah, it hurts them on the defensive end for sure. I will say, like that Butler game, I didn't think the defense was bad. Like Butler just went out and hit a bunch of threes. It was it wasn't necessarily bad defense. It was just I don't know they were just on one for ten minutes and then <laughs> came back to earth. Um, the defense definitely has some holes. I think it's gotten better. But it's like, gotten better. It also, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think where I'm higher on this team is like similar to why like in Iowa is just like you have Caitlin Clark and sometimes that's just going to be enough. Like you have Paige Beckers and sometimes that's just going to be enough. Like I think she's playing at that level.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, My my other quell with UConn, this isn't as big of one. There's so much pressure on Aliyah Edwards to be great every game. And again, the Ayanna Patterson injury. She played 10 minutes a game last year against the top teams in the country. It's all, it was always going to be Aaliyah Edwards is going to play, barring foul trouble, 35 minutes, and she needs to put up like 20 and 10. She needs to be Cameron Brink good, Asia Wilson, Aaliyah Boston good. And they're just, she doesn't do it consistently enough. Like NC State, she disappeared for three quarters. And when that happens, the offense is basically, Paige, save us. Yeah. And that can get you far. I don't think it can win you six games when it matters. That's fair. Um, yeah. So that, that's my problem with UConn. Again, that that I, I probably make it seem like UConn sucks. I don't think UConn sucks. I think they've been hit by an injury bug in the last two years that I've never seen. They're just not as good as I think UConn fans are accustomed to UConn being.
2: Yeah. I don't think it's an easy path for them to get to a final four at this point. I think. Maybe it was starting to look like that when you had Griffin, but that was a the margin prayer when she went down just dropped dramatically, regardless of what people might think, because she was coming off the bench. Like she was such a big part of what this team is doing. So I, I do think things look a lot bleaker right now. I'm just if Ali Edwards can put it together for six games straight alongside Paige or five games straight, maybe that's enough to get them to the final four.
1: Yeah. Now, prepare yourselves. UConn's not going to be a one seed. Folks, they're going to Albany. I don't...
2: Wouldn't necessarily say they're not going to be a one seed.
1: Okay, but off chance they're not a one seed. Yeah, they're still going to Albany. They're going to Albany. (laughs) Prepare yourself now, Megan. Because... People aren't going to be angry. Oh, they're going to lose their mind. Well, that's... We'll save it for March. I have a thing. It's a whole... Long story short, support your program and tell your local city to put in bids to host because not that many do. And you know why Albany gets it, even though it's in the middle of nowhere in New York? Because they're going to get 10,000 people there.
2: Yeah, exactly. So
1: sorry to the one seed where UConn is the two or the three. It's going to be a road game. It's probably not fair. We'll save it for March. Last thing for me, man. (laughs) Last thing for me um, before I get to – We'll say over emotional thoughts on, you know, we can do this quickly thoughts on this new NCAA media deal where the value's gone up. Um, you know, people are praising it as 10 I don't think it's as good as people are making it out to be, but any thoughts yeah. as women's sports continues to at least progress,
2: Right. I, I mean, I think it's good. Right. It's in the right direction. Is it amazing? Probably not. It's, it is what it is. I don't have like strong thoughts on it. It's not something i spent a ton of time looking at, but I mean, it's a step in the right direction at the very least. All right.
1: That's fair. Uh, quickly, games to watch this weekend. Stanford, Utah tonight. Early night for you. Congratulations. That's at eight o'clock yes. Eastern.
2: I know. It's
1: Are you still going to watch whatever <laughs> godforsaken game they put on at 11?
2: Probably. Uh, Saturday,
1: K-State, Texas at 2. Iowa, Indiana, primetime Saturday the Caitlin Clark Show, National. When's the last time a women's game was 8 o'clock on a Saturday on national TV?
2: Yeah, that's exciting.
1: Remember what happened the last time they met? Caitlin Clark, the first buzzer beater, uh, doing Caitlin Clark things. And then Sunday's loaded. Florida State, Virginia Tech at 1. I promise you there will be more points in that game than the Steelers, Bills, and the snow in Buffalo. So (laughs) watch that. Colorado Stanford at two and then round two UCLA USC at five. So we we got quite the weekend here.
2: Yeah. Great. A lot of fun Pac-12 games. So that's always my favorite type of weekend. There's going to be a lot of those weekends this year, I suppose.
1: (laughs) Cherish, cherish your Pac-12. I know.
2: I know. (laughs) know What's the latest you've
1: stayed up for a Pac-12 game?
2: Oof. I don't know. Probably like 1 a.m. It's past my bedtime. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, Megan, plug your stuff. We'll get out of here. Where, where can we find you? Uh, tell us about your bracketology updates.
2: Yeah, bracketology updates on the Herb staffs website. Hopefully, close to weekly. Works a little crazy, so I'll say close to weekly for the rest of the year. We'll increase as we get to March. Something coming in the Washington Post on Monday on bracketology too. So look out for that. Awesome. Follow Megan
1: at Megan Gower. Did I get that right? I'm doing off the dumb. Hey, at Megan Gower, G-A-U-E-R, at R underscore Joyce 34. I don't tweet that much, but sure, feel free to follow me. Uh, This was a full in-depth preview. Next week, we'll go a little more nitty-gritty, break down the games from this weekend, preview what's going on next weekend, and maybe get a guest. So, Megan, enjoy your weekend, folks. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French?